Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. All right, Paul. How's it going, man? Nice hat. Good. How are you? Are you in the Army? Yeah, look at this. I represented the Army today. I got my got my Norwich sweatshirt on. So Oh, look at that. I didn't even realize. Yeah, yeah I'm I know. Too. I noticed right away, like we're both representing um, the alma maters. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Very important. Of course, people nice. see half my diploma on YouTube every every week. So I hope uh, to have something behind me besides just this wooden propeller and a blank wall here pretty soon. Actually, that's Tammy's diploma. Never mind. Yeah. Well, she's the one that mine's, actually earned it. Mine's closer. <laughs> it's over here. <laughs> Yeah. Well, uh, speaking so. of your your hat, I was just in Florida for a few days with some some of the people that you know, um, doing some business. And uh, Dale was there, and every single day he had a different Navy hat on. Of course. So I started calling him Old Navy. There you go. Yeah, that's perfect. It is. So it's perfect. Uh, yeah. Well, nice man. Good. Yeah, I spent a few days in Marathon, Florida, which nice down there. Yeah. Way nicer than uh, Minnesota this time of year. However, it was like 60 and windy, like 30 mile an hour sustained wind. So yeah, I didn't get that beach weather that I was hoping for, but I guess technically sure. it's still, they were like, oh yeah, we're participating in winter this year. It's 60 yeah. degrees and windy. <laughs> <laughs> I think my parents, they've been in um, Southwest Florida since 2009. I don't think they've ever turned on their heat. Wow. Ever. Nice. That would save some, that would save a, quite a a pretty penny yeah and then the house in the summertime is just at a constant 74 yeah nice very cool man um yeah anything else going on what's the update on the construction loan all right update on the construction loan is so this week and i i think these folks one of them communicates well the guy that i brought in um who's just a rock star brought him in just two weeks ago and he's already basically where the other bank is um so I've got offers, L loans are both approved, found out yesterday for one and the day before for the other that we were approved for both. Um, I will likely just go with the lender that has better terms that are more favorable, favorable to me and more favorable means slightly lower rate and I keep 5% of my cash um, that I have to bring to closing. So one of the banks is 25%, one of them is 20%. So obviously I wanna keep on, you know, hold on to more of my cash as possible. So, right. but, so yeah, so I'm I'm feeling way better about it than I was last time, for sure. Uh, but Good. it's been a, it's been a grind, man. Yeah, one that you'll never do again. Right, no, that's exactly right. Um, you know, for, for those just, for those, you know, doing construction loan, here's my recommendation. Um, you know, and this is not you know, VA construction loans or they do exist, but just for the broader audiences, if you plan on building a house someday, a single family home, plan on the cost, having what the cost of construction is, including the lot. So let's, let's use round number. Let's say it's a million, have 500 in cash when you go seek out lending. 50 have $500,000, have 50% in cash, just wow. have it. 
and may not, not need not it. qualified funds, right? They couldn't, they wouldn't not count your qualified, qualified money. No. So it depends. Um, sometimes they'll count it. Sometimes they won't. Um, like I had to send them the TSP terms for withdrawals and all that kind of stuff. And, and it really is up to human underwriting interpretation on whether they're going to count that as reserve funds or not. But our other friends ran into uh, a problem and it's, and it's a big no. Yeah. Um, so I think for especially you military folks, it's something to think about. You've got 50% retirement at 20 years or 40% now, whatever it is with the blended system. Um, there's very there's a, not a strong case for locking up more money um, than, than you have to. So really take a look at that because had I paid all that money that went into 401ks as, as premium over the years since I was a lieutenant in 2002, things would be a lot different. Yeah. So anyway, that's just... Real world experience right there. Well, there you go. Thanks for sharing the pain uh, yeah. with us and we can learn from what you're going through. Yep. So, well, cool, man. With that, though, we with have a that. question. Yeah, what is that it? That came in uh, from, a, from a listener. And this is great. This is a good question that I think um, a lot of people will relate to. So, without further ado, I'll, I'll paraphrase it here. Um, good day, David and Paul. So, very polite. Good day. First, I want to thank you for your service. I have found great benefit from your podcast. Listen to every episode. That's in parentheses. Thank you for what you do in the IBC world. I have great appreciation for that. I have read Becoming Your Own Banker by the late, great Nelson Nash, and I am in the process of reading Building Your Warehouse of Wealth, his second book. My question is, I have a term policy on myself and my wife, uh, financial advisor 12 years ago said to get term and invest the difference. Well, that hasn't worked out very well. Oh, imagine that. That's typical. Uh, I called the company and I won't name the company to find out if the term is convertible insurance. It in, and it is. My question is, do I have to go with the company they recommend or can anyone do this for me? As always, thank you for your time and knowledge on this matter. Have a blessed day. Rodney. So, Rodney, great question. Um, do you have any thoughts, Dave? I've, I've got some thoughts because I already answered him via email, but I think we want to get his uh, the thoughts kind of on the, on the podcast because it's important to for other people too. So, yeah, I'm sure we probably have the same thoughts as yeah. usual. But you know, just because you have a convertible term policy, first of all, good job getting convertible term instead of just regular term because. Should you uh, happen to be uninsurable right now, and that's your only option, then at least you have an option to convert to permanent life insurance, right? right? Um, however, if you are still insurable, there's no reason to convert a term policy with an inferior company for the purposes of infinite banking. Uh, there's no reason to do that versus start fresh in either either way you're starting a brand new policy a brand new whole That's life right. policy so yep. you might as well if you're still insurable work with an ibc practitioner who works with a very good ibc style company or you know that that this works ibc well friendly with. company ibc friendly that's a great way to put it yep. and and get yourself a nice a specially designed whole life insurance dividend paying policy with a strong mutual company with a strong track record of dividends um, and and start your IBC journey there on the on the right foot. Yep. Yeah, I don't think I could answer that any better, uh, Rodney. So that's that's exactly what I would say. Um, so, yeah, I 
Because there's no way of knowing. I, I don't think the companies that you listed here, and again, I'm not going to name them, those, I don't believe those are mutual companies. I, I could be wrong. I, I don't recognize them. I don't know anybody that writes business for them in the infinite banking world. And we know a lot of the infinite banking concept practitioners that are out there. Um, so yeah, I think I think Dave gave, gave you sage advice. Uh, I concur. I have, I have And I have nothing to add. Yeah, listen to episode 18. That's where we talk about convertible term. I don't know necessarily. I, we probably cover that that aspect that, hey, you may already have one. Uh, doesn't mean you should convert it at that company. Now, maybe another question Rodney was trying to get at that, that wasn't explicit in what he asked is, can I convert this term policy with a different company? The answer right. is no. No, you can't. That's right. Yeah. yeah, a lot of the companies have different underwriting guidelines, um, even amongst the mutuals. Some are a little bit more liberal than others. Some are more conservative. I prefer the more conservative ones, even though it can be a more lengthy underwriting process. But I know that they're they're exposed to less what we call in the industry adverse selection. So, and yeah. I appreciate that as an owner of the company. Absolutely. Cool. Well, good so. question. Keep sending them in and yep. we'll keep answering them. Yeah. So. Thanks for listening to every episode too. That's great. Yeah, that's great. It's 100, funny. 105 now, right? I, well, this will be 106, I believe. So, um, yeah, we are, I think last week's episode, even though it was episode 104, uh, 105, that mm -hmm. was actually, right, which two years is actually 104, 52 times two, 104. But that last week's episode actually fell on closer to our anniversary of right. the very first episode we ever put out, which was on Valentine's Day um, yep. two years ago, 2022. Right. So, yeah, um, kind of a big deal for us anyway. But <clears throat> anyway, moving on. So we've talked about one of our favorite Nelson Nash books, uh, his second one warehouse building your warehouse of wealth yep. which you know we pay homage to nelson with the name of this podcast uh, i like to think um but one of the things that came out in that book that has just stuck with me is so many times we in this business in in infinite banking this concept we we downplay the death benefit the importance of the death benefit now i don't i don't think you and i necessarily do but nope. this concept overall death benefit gets downplayed, right? Because we say, hey, we're trying to pay as much premium for as little death benefit as possible. That doesn't mean get less death benefit than you actually need for your family. Yeah, right? it, it's it's simply misunderstood, Dave, I think. Uh, you know, Nelson, Nelson says that in Becoming Your Own Banker, right? Uh, a policy that... Um, um, you know, prioritizes cash value accumulation over death benefit, but that doesn't mean that the death benefit's not important. You can't have de cash value without death benefit. Right. And we can, you know, this isn't a policy or a, a, an episode about policy design and base PUA ratios and all that nonsense. But uh, yeah, the death benefits, of course, it's important. It's it's the thing that makes everything else operate. That's right. So, I mean, that's what's guaranteeing your loans. Um, and the, the fact is the higher the amount of, the larger permanent death benefit you have, the larger amount of cash value you'll have. Right. So you heard Dave used permanent death benefit and he said permanent for a reason. 
Right. And, you know, again, that's the PUA base discussion, but, oh, and base, base premium drives the dividend too. Yeah. But also means that term writer that's on your policy, um, obviously it's not permanent. It's going to drop off. It's going to fall off. So I wouldn't, don't just focus on that. Focus on the permanent amount of death benefit that, that you will have over time. Yep. Yeah. Um, but this little example came out in Nelson's book and I thought it was a really great question. And I, I like asking this, uh, it's kind of rhetorical because hopefully everybody kind of understands where this question is leading, but let's say, let's imagine that you owned a machine and this machine let's kicked off, let's say $200,000 a year of income for your family. And you're, Paul and, and my age, 40, about 45, we're not quite 45, but we're, we're close. We'll hit that this year. Um, and you got about 20 years left of, of working years um, for, for those people who kind of have that, you know, I'm going to stop producing and stop working at age 65. So you got about 20 years left. Well, this machine is kicking off 200 grand. You need it to do so for the next 20 years. Um, would you insure that machine against you know, it breaking or malfunctioning, whatever, like, would it make sense to insure that machine if it's creating 200 K a year for you? Of course. Yeah, of course. Right. Um, if so, then how much would you want to insure that for? Well, so, as much as possible, as much as possible at a minimum, then at a it minimum may, it would be what it's, well, at a, the minimum would be 200, I suppose. 200 per year, but you need it for another 20 years. So let's multiply that by 20. So that's 4 million bucks, right? At a minimum. Because, hey, I need this to provide income for my family for the next 20 years. I'm counting on this thing. I'm counting on it, right? Right. So it makes sense to insure that machine. If that's the machine that's actually producing the income that's feeding your family. Right. So the question is, what's the machine in your life? Obviously, nobody has a machine unless you're a, a counterfeiter or you work for the Fed. Nobody has a machine that's printing $200,000 a year. You don't have the Beffert family money tree in the backyard, just blooming 20s? Mm-hmm. Right. You water that every day, pick a couple <laughs> 20s off. Right. So we're the machine. You we're the are. machine. Yeah. We're the machine. Because without you, what else do you not have? You know, if you're not producing the income then like you're the machine producing the income without you there's no house there's no car there's no college savings there's there's no retirement yep, savings there's no vacation there's, there's no, no vacation boat. there's Nothing. no comfort i would yeah. say so it only makes sense to insure the machine in your life i.e you for at a minimum what you expect to produce up until the day you stop working Right, that's logical, in my in my opinion. But it's something that we don't really think about too much. Yeah, well, we were we were talking before we got on before we hit record about you know if you knew in the next five years that your house was going to burn to the ground, you'd want to. You, of course, you're making sure you, you're required because everyone's got a mortgage, don't you? So mm-hmm. you all have to have full coverage on your house anyway. But if, let's say it was a car and you, you knew in the next five years, you were guaranteed to have a crippling accident for that car and it was going to total that car. Would you carry just liability 
No, you'd carry full coverage. Of course you would, because you are smart. Um, well, it's the same thing about, you know, what we're trying to get at here is we ensure everything in our lives to the max, maximum amount possible allowed. So rebuild cost of this house, replacement cost, maybe might, you know, one year newer or something uh, for, for some of those riders on, on auto automobile coverage. But we never fully ensure our future income. And I've heard plenty of people say it, well, I've got plenty in this and plenty in that. I'm going to have a couple of pensions. And that might be true for that particular family. And that's great. Yeah. Or it might, it might be true today. It might is, be true. Are those pensions right. guaranteed? Yeah. Well, they're military pensions. So, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. It'd be political suicide to right. cancel those. but Not counting on it. Yeah. Um, but. So, so let's go back to but, yeah, we don't you're talking about a, a house let's say let's mm-hmm. say let's take that a step further let's say you knew um you know how long is a typical mortgage 30 years most people have a, a conventional 30-year mortgage when you're done with that mortgage and that you don't owe the bank any more money um is that a good time would you just cancel your home insurance of course not well, I mean, the bank requires you to have it until you pay the mortgage back. So once you're done, once you don't owe them any more money, you could probably get rid of that, right? But that's stupid, right? Right? Because there's still, especially what if what if you knew, guaranteed, you were going to stay in this house for the rest of your life, but guaranteed at some point after you pay that thirty year, let's say it in thirty, sometime between thirty and forty years, that house is guaranteed to burn down. Uh, you probably want to insure that for the maximum amount possible, right? Yeah, even a future value if I could. How is that any different than than you? Like you know you're going to die. Right, well, yeah. it just goes back to the way you think, Dave, doesn't it? Yeah, yet you're being told, hey, you only insure yourself until you know, you're 65. Kids and you're are out not, of the house. Your or kids are whatever. out of the house and, and you're not making you know, you're not working anymore, then you don't need to. What's, what sense does that make? It doesn't. And we've already proved in past episodes, like real life, this this strategy um, affects people in a negative way all the time. You just, you just never hear about it, right? Because, but yeah, oh, I'm no longer insurable and I want permanent insurance and I can't get it. Now I have no permanent income plan. God forbid my machine breaks, AKA I, I'm dying, you know, I died. Uh, I graduated, and now what? The surviving spouse has what? What? Maybe they have your survivor benefit plan from the military, which is going to pay them like two grand a month, right? If they're lucky, right? Yeah. So we know there's two things. Everybody says there's two things in life that are guaranteed, right? Death and taxes. That's right. So you know you're going to die. You know you're going to have taxes. So why not try to mitigate both of those? offset the risk of both of those, guess what? IBC can do that. One, you offset the risk of death financially to your family because they're gonna inherit a windfall of income tax-free wealth. And taxes, hey, how about 20 years from now when you've had this policy for 20 years, um, you've got a large pool of capital that you could pull from tax-free for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, which is what a lot of people don't realize you can do. 
They don't yeah. realize how good these policies are and that they get better with age. Very few things in life get better with age, right? Very few things. Yeah. You know, other than maybe whiskey and, and wine in some cases, right? Uh, not Prosecco, though. You have to drink that within 18 months of bottling, I think. But um, anyway, um, right. So why, I guess, if, if that's all true, and it is, mm -hmm. and I could take massive amounts of tax-free income in my retirement years, whatever that means, passive income years, you know, wouldn't I want to put as much money into such a system as possible? Yeah, you sound like Nelson. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost, it's not quite an exact quote, but it's, it's close. Yeah. So it kind of leads me to a, a lot of people have 401ks. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, most people who, who have, who didn't learn about infinite banking until later in life probably have a, a significant 401k. Like you've been doing it for a number of years. And Yours maybe, truly included. Yeah. Right. So maybe you want to continue doing that because you get an employer and argue with you about that. It's not what Hold on. Dave just had some technical difficulties. Yeah. My audio switched out. There we go. There you go. Was right. that the original sound off? Did that just click off on you? Uh, no. The, this came unhooked. Uh, mic, so it went to the computer. Yeah. yeah. You could definitely tell. So there we go. Original sound back on. Um, now you sound amazing again. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I got a voice that can make Wolverine purr. Right? <laughs> One of my favorite uh, Anchorman quotes. Anyway, so where I was going with that is in retirement, you're probably, you know, a lot, most of our listeners probably have a 401k that they're going to have sure. in retirement, yep. right? Well, think about this. In retirement, you're still going to want to pay your premium because let's say you've yes. owned that policy for 20 years. 20 years from now, every dollar you pay in premium is creating two, three, four dollars in cash value that you can access tax-free for the rest of your life. Where's a great place to fund your premium? Where, where's that income coming from? Pull it from your 401k. Yep. Funnel it into your premium. Boom. You've turned that, you know, that tax liability of the 401k, which you still got to pay taxes on whatever you pull out of there. Sure. But now you put it into something before you spend it put it into your premium, max out the PUA, whatever you can do, open up new policies for the grandkids or adult children, fund those. And now you've turned every dollar from your 401k into two or $3 of tax-free income that you yeah, can pull from amazing. immediately. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and again, folks, unless you own dividend paying whole life insurance, and, you know, and you have some mature policies, like you've got some mature policies now, Dave, and, and mm -hmm. mine are starting to be mature, you know, six premium. It's the only, it's only a mature up. thing about us. Yeah, that's also true. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they really do get better with age. And, you know, every, I think I said in the last episode that we recorded that, you know, I'm going to make this certain amount of payment and the cash value is going to go up by way more than the premium, uh, which is just fantastic. And it's, it's better than any any place I could put money. That's yeah, guaranteed. It really is. It, yeah, it, it's not even close. Yeah. Um. So, anyway, yeah, I think that's a, that's a great use, especially every dollar in premiums producing two dollars of cash value, maybe by year twenty, or, or or maybe a little bit more than that. That's that's phenomenal. Yeah, oftentimes more. Man, if you start in your thirties, wow. Even if you start yeah. in your fifties, you know you're gonna hit 
you're going to hit the point where every dollar, where, where you have more available than you've ever put in. And in your retirement, you're going to be excited to make that payment because it's just going to increase your, your tax-free capital you can pull from. Yeah. So. That's a mindset shift too. I get excited to pay my premiums every year. And we've said that a million times on this podcast, but it's, it's really true. I just paid. Oh yeah. You should have got paid on at least one of them by now. I just got an email. Let me try to pull it up from a, uh, a client. He said, actually, he gave us a nice quote. I'm going to throw a, a shout out to Ryan for this quote. He heard us say, he quoted us. One of us said, you're better off learning nothing rather than learning the wrong thing. So not, it sounds like you. It sounds like me. Yeah, you're right. I don't know if an army guy could have come up with that. <laughs> but he, he said, this reminded me of a uh, Thomas Jefferson quote, which says, quote, I will add that the man who never looks into a newspaper is better informed than he who reads them. Inasmuch as he who knows nothing is nearer to truth than he whose mind is filled with falsehoods and errors. So... It's, it's kind of like, um, you know, it's not what you don't know. It's what you think, you know, that just ain't so right. Which, which is know, most leads you down the wrong path. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. But then he says, looking forward to my premium payment coming up exclamation point. So he's excited. You know, he can, he can't wait to make that second premium payment. Yeah. And it's just his second one. Yeah. Just a second payment. They so, get better yeah. every time. The third one will be better than the second. The fourth will be better than the third. The fifth will be better than the fourth, etc. I mean, absolutely. So yeah, it really is. It really is great, just because you know it's going to happen. Um, that cash value and death benefit's going to jump. Yeah, guaranteed. Yep. And after every anniversary, feel free contact the company for an Enforce illustration, or if you're one of our clients, you could even contact us. But know that um, even if we're um, you can contact the company directly, but you know, if you're a client of ours, contact us, we'll throw you an enforce illustration or walk through it with you and just let you know, Hey, here's how it's, it's looking right now. And yeah, it should excite you that you started it a year ago. Right. I mean, this, this client I was talking about, it doesn't even feel like it was a year ago, close to a year ago that we started as policy. Like time moves so fast. Yeah. Yeah. It, re yeah. it really does. Yeah. I mean, I've been in Minnesota for nine years now. Uh, this oh, will be my tenth year. That sounds awful. Sorry to you, Minnesotans. This is my tenth <laughs> winter here. Yeah, um, and it happens to be the mildest winter of all. Yeah, I mean, you grew up in Kansas, though. It had bad winters there too. It right? did. It was wet and cold, wet and windy. Yeah, like it was really wet. So that that wind really hurts. Yeah, um, here it seems to be a, a bit drier. Yeah, at least you know where I grew up, you got snow. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look at the last Chiefs game, the AFC, was it the AFC championship? No, the game before that, the divisional championships when they played the Dolphins in Kansas City, it was like 20 below. Yeah, it was cold. So that was real no cold. No thanks. So it, gets, it definitely gets cold there. Yeah, the Midwest can be brutal. But that's why you're moving to Tennessee. One of yeah, the reasons. It's, kind of a, it's a mild four-season climate there, and it's pretty. Yeah. So... Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing more updates on that construction. When does the construction actually get underway? Well, if we close at the end of this month, it'll begin, you know, probably that first week in March. Nice. Um, so it, it still gives us enough time. Oh, that's the other thing. The bank I'm likely going to use has 18 months worth of 
construction loan time frame. Most banks are 12, and then you have to ask for an extension if they don't finish the home by uh, the 12th month. So um, it kind of like gives us that breathing room for contingencies, you know, bad weather, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. If you need them for Tennessee. Who knows? But, well, man, you got anything else on this topic? I don't... We covered we covered thinking. We covered we had a nice analogy. I mean, it's great. Yeah, <laughs> we had a good analogy. We had a good, good questions and feedback from from some good listeners questions. and clients. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, keep sending them in, and um, yeah, give us more topics to discuss. Every once in a while, somebody will say, "Hey, you guys should really." Uh, I would really love if you guys talked about this on an episode. So bring that forward. If there's something you want us yep. to hit on again, let us know. Yeah, it's either something that you all bring us or something that we hear out in the wide, wide world that just kind of sparks, you know, some triggers for us or um, or whatever. So it, uh, yeah, I, you know, 105 episodes in, I always thought we'd kind of run out of things to talk about, but there's always, there's literally always something to talk about. There always is. There always will be. So we'll, we'll take a different angle. Um, at the same thing. I like looking at other podcasts too and be like, oh, what do they think about this? Um, you know, there's disagreement out there. So not saying we're yeah. the only people you should listen to, but uh, you know, there's different ways to look at it. Uh, so do your own research, which we, you know, we, we, we mandate basically that, that you do some research before we can even work with you. So Read the books. Yep. If you want book recommendations, let us know. In the back of Nelson's book, there's always book recommendations. Like I'm reading one that he recommended. Um, it's a history book. So I had an audible credit. I wanted to start reading it. And it's called- Which one? Churchill, Hitler, and the Unnecessary War. How Britain lost its empire and the West lost the world. So it's pretty fascinating um, hearing it from a different perspective than what you learned in grade school. Right. Right. That, right. Oh, uh, you know, it was noble. Learned that the that New entered, Deal was so great. Oh, so great! Like oh, all these noble <laughs> causes for war. Social Security, so great. Yeah. So, anyway, open your, uh, expand your horizons, open your perspective to uh, to new ways of thinking. Starting with becoming your own banker. You know, it's all about the way you think. That's so, right. Well, all right, everybody. Hey, have a good week and uh, drive safe if you're listening in the car like most people are. And uh, hey, until next week, control your capital. Or somebody else will. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify. And please share this with your friends. We'll see you next week.